financial liberation, you can have a dollar, you can have a million dollars, $10 million or a billion dollars. It's not about the amount of money that you have. It is about how you relate to your resources. This is the Authority Builder Podcast. This is the place to come if you're building a professional practice and you want to be seen as the leader in your market. We're going to interview the top experts throughout professional services, and we're going to share insights with you to help you grow your firm and be positioned as the only choice that clients ever want. Welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and we've got a phenomenal interview for you today. You definitely want to tune in and listen closely to this. My guest today is Allie Katz. She's the founder and CEO of a suite of companies that provide an ecosystem of support for an entirely new paradigm for legal insurance, financial, and tax decisions. Allie graduated first in her class from Georgetown Law and worked at one of the top law firms in the country before starting and selling her own law firm. Her current company has made the Inc. 5000 list five years in a row and trains lawyers on the new law business model she invented for serving families and business owners as a trusted advisor. Allie wrote two best-selling books on her business model for lawyers and on legal planning for families, and she's the matriarch of her family having successfully raised two young adults. Congratulations on that. Allie Katz, welcome to the Authority Builder Podcast. Great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here, Steve. So um, you've had a, 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 an amazing career. I know there's more to it than that. Could you give everybody just a quick snapshot of what got you to the stage of your career? Yeah, I think what got me here is being willing to make a lot of mistakes along the way, uh, learn the right lessons from those mistakes by learning how to take responsibility, understand where I needed to grow, evolve, and then keep going. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I really questioned, like deeply questioned, why was I a lawyer? Why did I go to law school? Why was I serving lawyers? And uh, in fact, even walked away uh, from business altogether 12 years ago, took a, pretty much a two-year real break, moved to a farm, filed bankruptcy, and sat in this question of what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Who am I? Why am I here? What's mine to do? And in, those, in that time frame, only did what I would do for free. So that I could really look at who am I if I'm not letting money drive all my decisions and come, came out the other side of that, realizing why I went to law school, that I am here to serve lawyers and not just lawyers, but really the whole what I call Lyft ecosystem, legal insurance, financial and tax ecosystem. And in some ways, Steve, it was almost like I was preparing for the time that we're in right now, where we are in this in massive shift. And I think that we can all feel it. I think that some of us put the label on it of recession, coming recession, but it's much bigger than that. And it's much different than that. And so I've been really preparing my whole life in many ways to be ready to present a new model, which I'll share with you here today, for how we can actually solve many of the problems that have been created by 
our legal insurance, financial and tax industries, the way that we were taught to be business owners in these industries, the way that we were taught to advise our clients and how we can actually step into a new way that is good for our clients, it's good for us, and it really gives us the competitive advantage as AI is coming online and we have to be able to do something different than what we've done. Yeah, well, there, there's a ton to unpack there. Um, we were talking before we started recording that the both of us kind of coming from a professional services background, there is a lot that's broken in the business model. And so yeah. as you're advising the attorneys that that you shepherd through this process when you're talking with others in in uh, you know in the various professions what is it that you're communicating to them now that is different or that needs to change where are the problems yeah so let's start with the underpinning of all of it the underpinning of all of it is that we've been taught collectively that we should base our lives around this idea of financial freedom, that we should either work for a long time, save up enough money and retire, or we should build businesses that uh, we can, that will allow us to invest in passive income streams so that our money can earn money on its money and then one day we can retire. The idea of retirement and the American dream is actually a nightmare. And anybody who has won the game and won that game finds that out. But that's the bill of goods that we've been sold. And so many of us are on that treadmill and then we're constantly chasing it, constantly chasing it. And what I discovered is that financial freedom is a trap. There's no there there. And even, you know, I, I hit all of the success metrics. I, in 2000, by 2009, you know, in my mid-30s, I had done all of it. I had built $2 million businesses. I had appeared on TV as a family financial and legal expert. I had written the best-selling book. And at every juncture of achievement and every next rung of earning money, what I realized is I was not getting any happier. My life was not getting any better. I was not feeling any sort of long-term fulfillment. My time you know, and my, my, my use of my resources was completely out of whack. And my relationships were completely messed up. And there was really just at the end of the day, I began to see there's something, there's something broken in this, in this promise. And so when I, when I moved to the farm and I, and I went into this really dark night of the soul searching question, what I discovered there is something that I now understand to be money dysmorphia. And our indigenous relatives call it wetico. It's a known disease of the mind that uses money to really cause us to make all of our decisions from a place of scarcity and survival. And unfortunately, this model of money dysmorphia and Wetico is actually embedded in our financial services industry and our legal services industry. And so because of the way that our financial incentives are structured for our professionals, for the most part, they can't actually provide good advice to their clients. 
And that feels terrible to an advisor, a lawyer or a financial advisor, an insurance professional or tax advisor, maybe less so with the tax advisors. I'm not sure. I know them the least, but for, for certainly for the rest who really, you know, like went to law school or, you know, took all these tests to be able to provide financial advice. And then the way they get compensated actually unconsciously corrupts their advice. And I say unconsciously because everybody, I believe, that is in one of these professions wants to do the right thing by their clients. But you know, if your only solution is a nail, you, I mean, we've heard all of the, we've heard this before, then, you know, if, if our only solution is a hammer, then everything looks like a nail. And so, for example, our, in, in our financial services model, our financial advisors, for the most part, are paid based on how much and what type of insurance you buy and having your assets under management in the stock market. So that's what their advice needs to be based around. And as a result, people don't feel as if they're getting really good advice from their financial advisors when they want to be looking at options outside of the stock market and outside of life insurance because the financial advisor isn't actually financially incentivized properly to help them. And it's the same with, um, with the lawyers. Underneath the model of lawyering, as it's currently built, for the most part, and we've created an alternative at New Law Business Model, which is my, my one of my companies. In embedded in the model for lawyers is, I can either charge by the hour, and be in a conflict model where I'm actually financially incentivized to escalate the conflict, or I can be in a transactional one-off model where I'm financially incentivized to get the transaction done as fast as possible and then leave you to your own devices until something bad happens, we don't have consultative models. So we don't have what I now call a relational model. So at New Law Business Model, we've created a relational model for lawyers where the lawyer actually gets paid to counsel the client to make the very best decisions for them based on their family dynamics, based on their assets, based on their budget, and then to make sure that whatever planning they do, if it's estate planning or business planning, that that planning is going to actually work throughout their lifetime. It's not a one-off transaction that's going to leave the client with a set of documents on a shelf or in a drawer that they've never updated or their assets aren't owned in the right way. But it's a relational model that lasts throughout life where the, the lawyer is actually able to be a trusted advisor be there for the family throughout their life. And then, of course, when, when their loved one dies and, and help them through that transition time. And so, you know, I've taken what I've, what I've come to learn there at New Law Business Model, which in some ways, Steve, I see as like, it's been my training ground. And I'm applying that to our professional services model as a whole and changing the frame of financial freedom to supporting people to get on a path to what I call the journey to financial liberation, which is a cure for money dysmorphia. Because with money dysmorphia, we have a distorted view of money. And I think in some ways, like we all can kind of feel it. We know it. We're like, uh, is it my time, energy, and attention, my non-renewable resource, whereas money, right. it's really, it's infinite. 
if we know how to earn it, if we have a really right, if we have a if we have a high value service to offer to people who need it, and we know how to sell that service, well, you can just always make more money. But time, energy, and attention—that's non-renewable. So, if I'm not going to trade my non-renewable resources for renewable resources in an unhealthy way, what do I need to do? And my answer is: first of all, you don't—you need to—you you need to get off this idea that one day uh, you are going to have your money earning money on its money so that you can retire and instead get yourself into a working reality where you love what you're doing and where you're doing the work of your soul that such that of course you always want to do it you might want to change the way you do it steve i'm sure throughout you know your career you've done it in different ways and i don't know now now i'm almost 50 now and so I don't want to work in the same way as when I was 35. I had a lot more energy then. But when I'm 85, I still want to be contributing. And so what is the way that I get to build something throughout my lifetime where instead of being on a one day I'm going to have enough money to retire and have my money earn money on my money, what if I recognize I'm on this spiral path and that path is always... It's, I'm always on it. I'm always on it. There's never an end. There's always just new beginnings. And, and I could place myself on that path. And the, the four stages, I'll, I'll just give you those since I'm kind of on a roll here on the journey to financial liberation. Stage one is knowing that you can generate what you need when you need it on demand in alignment with your values. That's stage one. We all need to know that. Every single person, my kids, they're 20 and 23. Do, do you have, I have kids? Four. How old are they? Uh, 23 all the way down to 16. Okay, so you're right yeah. where I am. And we want, we, want, we want them to know that they can earn what they need. Mm-hmm. Generate. But learning to generate what you need when you need it on demand in alignment with your values, that changes a lot throughout your lifetime. What I needed to earn when I was 23 is a lot different than what I need to earn now when I'm 49. And it's a lot different than what I'll need to earn when I'm 85. Absolutely. So that's that's constantly changing because we're on a wheel. So generate, that's the first stage. The second stage is steward. I need to be able to steward what I have. Also, very different if I'm stewarding what I have when I'm 23 than when I'm 49 or 85. The, the third stage is detach. Oh, and I'll just go back to Stuart for a minute. We have the most financially illiterate people. <laughs> I, I, I graduated Georgetown first in my class, started to work at Munger Tolls and Olson. I'm working on Warren Buffett's transactions, and I don't even know what a 401k is. They hand me a piece of paper at the firm, and they say, Congratulations, we're giving you a 401k. You need to tell us how you want it invested. And they hand me a piece of paper with all these letters on it. What? (laughs) I have no idea what I'm looking at. I closed my eyes, put my finger down on the paper and said this one. That's how I picked. And when I talk to financial advisors, people who work on Wall Street, 
finance, they don't know how to handle their own personal finances. We are financially illiterate as a, as a people for the most part. Obviously, not everybody is. A lot of people are getting more educated now and the, still the vast majority of us. So we have to learn how to steward what we have. And we have to learn how to steward what we have in ways that are non-extractive. You know, our planet right now, we're in a highly extractive mode. Um, and that can't keep going. And we are, we know that we know we have to like, we have to change that we've been, we've, we've built, we've gotten to where we are based on scarcity and survival and extraction. And now we're new moving into a new reality of regeneration of, uh, win-win economies instead of win-lose. So a lot is changing. We have to learn how to steward in alignment with the new values that we want to live into in the world. The third phase on the journey is detach. And the detach phase of the journey to financial liberation is one where we get to really up-level our beliefs and our conditioning that we've inherited in order to expand our capacity to hold more. Or if we haven't done a good job at Generate in alignment with our values and we haven't done a good job at Steward, then we're going to need to contract and life will either force that to happen um, or we can make choices that actually allow us to expand our capacity. And we're seeing the detached phase right now happen to scribe media. And you and I were talking about this before the podcast. Scribe media shut down, no notice, lays, lays off 80 employees. Detached phase. Their leadership hit up against their own capacity And instead of doing what they would have needed to do to expand their capacity and hold more life or circumstances or their own beliefs, forced them to abruptly shut down, no notice. And there's so many things that they could have done differently, but they couldn't see them because they were in like a blindness due to misalignments, probably in Generate and Steward. Mm. So the good news about that is it's a wheel. It's always spinning and it's either upward spiral or downward spiral. Upward spiral is about clarity. Downward spiral is about confusion. It's not about how much money you make or don't make. So now all of the leadership at Scribe is liberated. They're liberated. Life just took a lot from them. And now they have a choice as they go back around the wheel how to do it differently. And they can either downward spiral in uncertainty, confusion, blame, shame, guilt, trauma, or they can see that there's actually an opportunity to heal something, in which case as they go around the wheel again, they can create something entirely new that, you know, will learn the lessons and it's going to be eating some serious humble pie to do that. But that's really what's required in order to be liberated is deep humility, deep, deep, deep humility. Each time each time you pass through the liberation phase, it's been my experience that either you get even more humble or it gets even more difficult. Wow. That's what I got. <laughs> so talk to me about the contrast between the idea of financial freedom and 
what you mean by yeah. financial liberation. Are you giving us kind of a, a little bit on that, but how do you contrast yeah. the two? Financial freedom says once you have a certain money, amount of money in the bank, then you'll be free. And that there's a number and that, and that you've got to work, 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 work to get to that number. But that's a lie because you get to that number and then there's another number. I do know of some people that have gotten there. My uncle worked for probably 40 years as a salesman selling to the U.S. government. He hated it. Every time I talked to him, he just hated it. And he finally retired and he is now living in an RV with his wife traveling the U.S. in his RV. He made it. At what cost? At what cost? Really the cost of his emotional and physical health in many regards. Yes, he's doing it, but he years of just intense disdain for the work he was doing in the world. And he stuck with it and he did it. But I don't know how he did it. And I think much fewer people are able to do that today for a number of reasons. One, I don't think those jobs are available in five years because of AI for a lot of those jobs go away. And like people have seem to have less of an ability to withstand and the companies aren't withstanding actually. So I think that that idea that the baby boomers have were sold and, and that, you know, they can rely on social security as well. Um, so my mom, you know, she's 73 years old. She finally retired after 31 years teaching as an art teacher. She has $200,000 in retirement, which to some people is a lot. It's not enough for her to live on the rest of her life. She does have Social Security, but I just read a report today. Social Security is bankrupt by 2030. So then what? Right. So then what? So, so... And I wouldn't by any means say that my mom is financially free. She is financially liberated. She is financially liberated. So what is the difference with financial liberation? Financial liberation, you can have a dollar, you can have a million dollars, $10 million or a billion dollars. It's not about the amount of money that you have. It is about how you relate to your resources. And it is about being in the recognition that you are on a spiral path. And that way, no matter what comes your way, changes in the economy, changes to social security, you lose your job, you get more clients, you get less clients, whatever's happening, you're able to ride the waves of what's happening and understand what your next step is so that you can meet the moment. You can meet the moment and not collapse under the weight. Another thing I read today, I think in financial planning magazine or website, said like 30% of our financial professionals are addicts and depressed because they don't have what I'm talking about here. They, 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 they can't ride the waves. They, they are under this enormous weight and pressure of this financial freedom thing. And it's up to our financial professionals to help make sure their clients get there. While at the same time, there is no there there. 
So that puts them in a terrible position. Every person who's selling life insurance knows sometimes they're selling the wrong type of insurance to people because of the commissions. Sometimes, not all the time, but in the back of their mind, they know. And, and every financial advisor that is only focused on putting their clients into stocks so that they can grow their assets under management because that's how they're paid, has that sneaking feeling that maybe they should be trying to do something different or something more. And every lawyer who is based in an hourly, I mean, lawyers are miserable. Not my lawyers, the lawyers in the new law business model. Steve, they're happy. They're happy lawyers. That's an oxymoron in many cases. And so financial freedom is, is leading our advisors and their clients into a place, from what I can tell, of great despair. It's just great despair. Well, and I think in all of the professions, you're seeing this. You've seen mm -hmm. it for years. Um, and I think a lot of it stems from the fact that it's one of the hardest business models to, to actually execute and be successful in. And if the goal is presented to you as creating financial freedom, the path in professional services is I'm, I'm either going to work 100 hours a week and try and accumulate till I create right. the number, or I'm going to play the professional services pyramid scheme, right? And I, when I was in engineering, I used to right. joke, it's the original pyramid scheme. Because if I start the firm, I'm only the only way for me to do better is to get two juniors and the only way for them to do better is to get two juniors each under them and so on and so on. And, you know, pretty soon you build it out. If you do the, the org chart, it's a pyramid. And building that, it's one of the reasons that I, I left that business. The only growth I could ever foresee was to continue to build that infrastructure underneath. And after a while, that just becomes a, a lot of weight to carry. I think that is one of the reasons you see in professional services, a high degree of addiction. I, I think you see, uh, you know, people, and, and one of the addictions, frankly, is workaholism. You know, we don't yeah. talk about that one a whole lot. <laughs> For sure. you know, we talk about alcoholism and drugs and the other things, but yeah, I think workaholism is a, is a thing. And I think it really affects people. And it's all coming out of this idea that I've got to trade this thing that I have that's expiring this time, this attention that I have time. and sell it for money. Yeah. That's right. And so so we really the, the the way that I look at it is that we've got to give the professional a different model. And that model has to begin with as the professional, I'm going to generate what I need when I need it on demand in alignment with my values. And when I talk about generate what I need when I need it on demand in alignment with my values, what's built in there is, first of all, knowing what you need. And frankly, it is knowing how little you need. And I discovered that during the, you know, walk away from everything, move to a farm and file bankruptcy phase. It's like, oh, I, I actually really don't need that much. I want a lot. I want a lot. But I don't need a lot. And those two things got conflated such that we've got to separate them. And when I know that I can earn what I need when I need it on demand in alignment with my values, now I can go for what I want with 
more liberation around how I'm using my time, energy, and attention and not sacrifice my time, energy, and attention blindly in service to false goals that have me constantly making these trade-offs so that what? So that I can buy fancy purses, you know? Um, and, and, And what I realized as I got back onto the wheel is that for me, I could not move into generating what I want until I had built an ecosystem of people around me who also were able to earn what they need. And so now, instead of it being the one creates two, creates four, creates 16, you know, creates 32, now we're a circle of people working together to create more together. And it is more of a collaborative ecosystem model instead of a pyramid. I call it share the wealth. And so when I was rebuilding my foundation of my professional services business, just as an example, I stayed living in a house that I moved into post-bankruptcy where my rent was like $3,500 a month until I had a team around me where everybody on my team was also earning what they needed. And it was only at that point that I said, okay, now I can start paying myself more so that I can start to have more of what I want. Then that allows me, okay, now I can expand my team, make sure that I have a bigger team because we're going to need to generate more. I have a bigger team. Everybody's still getting what they need. And now as we're building, my, my next layer is we, and I've been putting everything back into the company to invest so that we can have infrastructure to support all of us. And now we're about to go into a level of scale where we will be extremely profitable And I'm looking at, instead of saying, oh, great, now how can I sell out to private equity and take all the gains? And I'm looking at how can I actually take that profit and share it with our team that helped me build this and our customers, not even just our team, but our customers. How can I create a true share the wealth model? I've not seen anything like this out there. I don't know. I'm going to make it up so that so that truly all of our stakeholders win. Because otherwise, I don't want to build a big enterprise. I could happily have a nice little lifestyle business. I figured out how to do that, that I could work in forever. And and all of our professional services folks can. Lifestyle business is actually fairly easy. There's a, there's, you know, a nice little formula for it. And then if you're afraid, well, I'm not going to be able to work in my business forever. Okay, so you get disability insurance you know, to, if you can't, or, you know, build, build a business you can sell one day. We, we know how to do that. You know, there, there are formulas for that. But if you want to build a business that, you know, is, is really profitable, share the wealth with the people you're building it with. Right. That's the only thing from my lens. That's what makes well, sense. Well, and I don't know how you'll end up getting there. I know this is all sort of new, but I, that's an approach that, yeah. that I've tried to take in both businesses, um, you know, whenever we could. And, you know, there's a a direct dividend to that because, 
I think, you know, for those of us who are doing what we do because we, we really enjoy it, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I don't like making money. I love making money. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the driver. Yeah, money's great. It's not the driver, right? Right. Um, that's and right. there's a, that's a big distinction that I think a lot of people get confused about, you know, but by being able to give it yeah. back, you create this ability to collaborate with team, whether those are people internal or their external partners yeah. or even clients that that really can last a long time. Um, and that's, to me, what's most interesting is to kind of create that ongoing collaboration. I think that's the most stable and secure approach. And to me, it's the most fun to operate. And like you, I don't, retirement's like a four letter word around here. Like we don't, we work with a lot of people who help plan retirement. And it's funny, the number of financial advisors that, that will help write a book who in their book talk about the idea that, okay, you, you have a choice to make. You either are, you know, going to take this path where maybe you don't retire. Maybe you should consider that and find what you love, maybe change what you're mm -hmm. doing, create the financial resources so you can change and do anything that you really truly are driven to do. Or, you know, test drive the, the idea of living liberated in that phase of your life. Um, you know, so they're beginning to, I think, awaken to the, the need to not only deal with the money side of the equation, but also what's yeah. life going to be. Um, and I think that's, a, that's a, a huge flip in the way that people are thinking about things. So tell me about the new law business model. How, you've, you've mentioned it a few times. How is it different than the old yeah. business model? Yeah, so the the new law business model is a model where the lawyers are trained in a heart-centered counseling-based methodology for serving families and business owners. So what is a heart-centered counseling-based methodology? Well, it's it's a it's a system really that that I developed that helps your clients make the right decisions about the most important things in life. What happens to their business, to their family, to everything they've created in the event of their incapacity or death, and then helps them to create a lifelong plan for that. You know, Stephen Covey says, begin with the end in mind. How do we make the best legal and financial decisions? We begin with the end in mind. We all die. That's the end. Mm -hmm. And if we live our lives with that awareness and that knowing that that's coming and face that courageously, we can live fantastic lives. And we can raise incredible kids who are ready to receive what we're giving them. And we can receive what I call a karmic reward. And that's a funny name for some people because the karma would, uh, a karmic reward to me as a parent is the reward of knowing I did a good job with these kids <laughs> and they're not going to wait actually until I die to receive what I created and then go out like, no, that's the recipe for shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations, you know, the make it in one generation uh, and lose it by the third generation. It's in every culture, but we get to change that with really wise legal and financial decision-making throughout life. And that's what we're teaching the lawyers how to help their clients do. And once we teach them how to do it, we teach them how to do what we call life and legacy planning. 
And then we, once they've been trained in that, then we give them a designation as a personal family lawyer firm. And so today we have about 520 personal family lawyer firms operating throughout the United States. We're beginning to move international this year. And all of those firms are independent firm owners. So they're all, you know, they own their own law firm, but they all are committed to serving under the PFL promise. So we know that there's a certain standard and quality of care for their clients. They follow the same systems. Uh, When one of them dies, another one will be able to step into their place and serve their clients with the same quality and standard of care and promise. And uh, I've been building this now in one form or fashion since really 2008. 2007, 2008. And as I said, I took this big break in the middle to be like, is this really actually it? Uh, And discovered, yes, it is. Uh, And the reason I think that it is, is because I believe that lawyers significantly impact culture. You know, we go to lawyers at the most important times of our lives in our greatest conflicts and when somebody dies. And if the lawyers have the tools to serve with heart and soul, Lawyers can really make a big difference in people's lives and help ensure that kids are raised well. And I mean, what's more important than that? And help ensure that people are making what I call eyes wide open legal insurance, financial and tax decisions. So new law business model is really the, the training ground in a way where I've been learning to be a leader so that I can take this model that I've been sharing with the lawyers, expand it. We want, us, we want a lot more lawyers to be doing this and then take it into the world of insurance, financial, and tax as well. That's likely a 2025 initiative, um, but that's where we're heading. And, um, you know, one day we would like to give all of the legal insurance, financial, and tax advisors a heart-centered counseling-based methodology for serving their clients, ideally with this whole journey to financial liberation model, so that they can do something that can't be replaced by AI and, and can truly serve clients in a, in a way that both serves the clients and serves the advisors well as well. That's awesome. I love the vision of that. Um, and we could probably go days talking about yeah. this. We didn't even really get to AI. So I'm going to have to have you back and we'll talk about the implications of yeah, AI. We'll do another episode. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but I know time is getting short and, and uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Allie, thanks so much for being here. Where can people find out more about the new law business model and the other things that you're doing? Well, if you are a lawyer, we would love to have you come to newlawbusinessmodel.com and join one of our next free trainings in our Lifestyle Lawyers Club. Uh, So we do a lot of free trainings there in the Lifestyle Lawyers Club. And then, of course, we have paid courses and then we have our whole our whole model when you're ready for it. And then if you're not a lawyer and you want to really learn about how you can have the right plan for your family and and raise your kids um, to be ready to receive what you're leaving behind, 
personalfamilylawyer.com is where all of that is located. And of course, my book, Wear Clean Underwear. Best because book title ever. Because once you, <laughs> yeah, uh, your mom always told you to wear clean underwear, but once you're a parent, wearing clean underwear alone is no longer enough. There's important legal planning steps that you need to take as well. So I laid those out in that book. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll link all of that up in the show notes so folks can find it. Thanks. Thank you so much for investing yeah. some time with me today. This has been awesome. Thanks, Steve. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Authority Builder Podcast. Here are three ways you can expand your authority. Number one, get a copy of the Million Dollar Book. In it, I show you how to multiply your authority by writing a best-selling book in less than 90 days guaranteed. After all, you're the best spokesperson for your ideas. Go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash book and get your copy. Number two, join me for an upcoming Write Your Million Dollar Book Accelerator and let's jumpstart your authority building book now. For upcoming dates, go to authoritybuilderpodcast.com slash accelerator. And number three, work with me and my team to get your book done and bring in business. Email me at steve at authoritybuilderpodcast.com and put, I want to write a book in the subject line. See you soon.